This is the When We Arise podcast for women ready for a jumpstart to get out of bed, out of our heads, and into a meaningful, rich life. I'm Talis Strube. I'm a believer, wife, mom of three, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. When We Arise is an intersection of faith and fitness that ignites the very presence of the Holy Spirit within us so that we can be a light to those around us. Here, we will share stories that spark positive momentum and joy. And because dance is such a powerful tool for how we experience joy, with each episode, I will share the newest addition to the When We Arise playlist and get us dancing into our lives to do amazing things with God when we arise. So welcome back to When We Arise. Uh, We have such a special conversation today. I am like giddy right now, just looking at the screen at my friend here and excited to welcome her to this audience. Um, My friend Lisa is pretty cool. She is not only a wife and a mom uh, and has a um, extensive professional background, but she's a speaker and she's an author. And we're going to talk today about her book, Joy is my job. And before I welcome Lisa, I just want to say that um, this is so timely because if you've been listening to Arise and you're doing the Arise series with me right now, you know that we've been talking about joy. So it is perfect that Lisa has written a book for us and we're going to talk all about that today. So welcome Lisa to When We Arise. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So um, do you remember this summer? Uh, sometime this year, I text you, I either text you or called you. And I was like, Lisa, joy is my job. Like, I remember I had, that <laughs> I had this epiphany while driving and I had heard you speak. I had heard you use the phrase, but I did not know at that point that you were releasing the book with that title. I don't, I'm almost certain I did not know that, but I knew that that was like a tagline that you would use that had stuck with me from a speech that I had heard you give. And it was like, joy is my job. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Cause I feel like if I think back to that conversation, we almost fell in love the first time we met. And then shortly after you called me and I remember laughing because we were both like, hi, new friend. Um, you know, I just wanted to tell you. <laughs> and so I, I remember that vividly because, you know, when you like someone, but you hope that they like you too, from a, a friendship standpoint, I remember that. And it made me smile because that was just about the time that I had started to put pen to paper. So it was almost like a little like, keep going without even knowing that I needed it. Right. It's a two-way affirmation street for sure. And um, I I also want to say that you radiate joy and you (laughs) like before I even know, knew that like you're your thing is you are a connoisseur of joy, right? That is, that is one of your credits to your name. And it is so true. It's not just this cute thing that she goes around saying. It's not just this, um, kitschy title. Like you absolutely radiate joy. And I, I want to ask you about that because there's so many things in your book that are incredible. And we just, we're barely going to have time to scratch the surface today, <laughs> but, um, something that you, you said, um, and that you wrote about, is this idea of scheduling everything but joy. And there's this part in the book where you talk about how this all started and this conversation with your husband and you look at him and you're like, we're scheduling everything. Why not joy? And can you just um, 
Can you talk a little bit, Lisa, about, you don't have to go into your whole backstory of your entire life, but I've only known you as Lisa who radiates joy. Have you always been this way, right? Like, tell us how has choosing joy been a radical shift in your life and changed you as a person? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, when people ask, I've had a couple of people ask me that, like, as if it's something you were born with. And it's funny because I've actually been in, I'll teach a lot of classes around workplace joy. And I actually have the people in the room vote on whether they think like certain things are things that you're born with or things that you can build and grow. And it's funny because the few times that people have asked me, I would say yes and no. I've always had a lot of energy and probably curiosity to be like, should we try that? And so I think that part of me is always like curious and excited when it comes to being joyful. I think at different points in my life, I was almost replacing it with busy. Like I wanted to tell people how busy I was or how much I was getting done. And so I think that go-getter in me was using more of my go-getterness for that. And so it's really been a shift to say that part of the, I actually just made a Tetris graphic for a newsletter that I'm sending out. And when I think about life as like a Tetris board and everything like drops down into, you know, into your lap, essentially part of that is just being really intentional about like the big blocks need to have joy attached And that's, I think, the shift that I really made is that, okay, we can have a lot going on and some of it might be icky, but a lot of it should and can include joy. So I hope that answers your question a little bit from, I don't know, a couple of angles. Because if someone's listening and they're thinking, well, maybe I wasn't born with it, then I'm like, get out there and build it. Yes, it does. And it also brings up this point that I wrote down about you as I was was rereading your book. And thinking, wow, Lisa's incredible at reframing. Like an experience (laughs) occurs in your life and you get to choose crappy or happy. That's something Mm -hmm. that you say. And I've found myself using that, especially as a mom. It's like, we get to choose if this situation is defining us. And if we're going to feel crappy or happy about it. And, but I love that you don't gloss over that there are hard things in life, that there's hard stuff but you talk about that in the book. And I I want you to elaborate a little bit on this mission that you have kind of ordained upon yourself to carry joy forward because others can't. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I will. And I think that's the, like, it's funny. It's like the one thing that makes me want to tear up because, you know, we've all had someone in our lives who we've lost maybe earlier than we should, whether it's a grandparent or a cousin or a friend. In my case, it was actually two cousins that I lost when I was in right around the high school, college age. And I just remembering thinking like, wait, what? Like they don't get to do all the, the rest of it. Like we were doing childhood together. And when I think about, you know, the million and a half memories that we created every new one, I wanted to kind of look around and be like, wait, where's, where's Aaron? Where's Dean? Like, they're not, they're not here. And so I think for me, I, in those kind of crappy moments, I just realized there's this set of urgency to maybe do a little bit of joy on their behalf. And I think in moments where I want to feel sad for myself, I'm like, it was a really long day, or, you know, I've got a ton of work to do. I literally sit sit there and think like, but what would Aaron and Dean give to not be able to be in my spot? And if I have that opportunity to move forward, 
we better have fun doing it because life is super short. And yeah, they, they were almost like sitting on my shoulder being like, life is short, just go. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and it makes me think too about, you already mentioned curiosity, but I wrote that down as well. It's like this returning to curiosity and looking at life through the lens of a child, like we were as kids. And it makes me think of the word wonder. Like, I feel like joy and wonder are close cousins. I know, but you evoke that as well. You do it as a person, but as I read your words, I'm like, this is really about joy as a result of curiosity and wonder. Yeah, it is. You are a mom and a lot of moms (laughs) are listening. And um, motherhood is not an easy season. It can be full of joy and it can be full of really hard stuff. But what I'm witnessing you do, and I want to give you a chance to expand upon this is as a mom and your husband as well as parents, like you're modeling that joy is normal. Like that finding joy and curating it is normal. So talk about that. I think it's a funny thing to watch like in, in action, because at first it was almost my husband and I saying, okay, let's just get out of survival mode. Right. Like we were having a conversation on the couch about it. And then we started to think, okay, well, where can we put joy on our calendar? And then it was almost like our kids were like, what are you doing? Because we'd be standing at this whiteboard and then we would start entering things onto our calendar that we wanted to do for fun. And they were pretty little at the time, but it was funny how quickly they started to like throw out ideas. And I remember kind of looking over thinking, huh, that was really easy for you. (laughs) You know, my husband and I had spent like what felt like, you know, hours trying to curate a list and they were just like spitting it off. Like, well, we should make donut balls and we should go to, you know, McDonald's play place. And I was laughing because I'm like, right, we could do that. And I think that's where it started for our kiddos. And now every so often I will put like a sheet of paper in front of them. And I'm like, okay, if we were going to have more joy this month, what would that look like? And they're starting to I don't know, add layers of, well, it's going to be cold out. So we should probably, you know, they start to almost even think through seasonally. You know, my daughter just the other day was like, well, it's hot cocoa season, you know, and she wanted to like add in some joy around that. And so it's been really fun to decide that we actually went on a vacation where our Airbnb flooded and it was, I was feeling stressed and in the midst of it all, my two kids were talking and I overheard my son say to my daughter, well, joy is our job. So, you know, and I'm like, okay, they're starting to realize it also during stressful times that like, Hey, knock, knock, how do you want this to, to end? What do you want the results to be? So that's been really fun to watch it. We're not perfect, right? There are days when we all look at each other and we're like, where was the joy? But I think that their brain is it knows that that's a step in what they have to do in order to be able to keep it like going. Absolutely. And, you know, you are, there's, they're young minds. Your kids are young. Like yes, sixth ages, grade and fourth grade. Okay. Super young. So they're still being molded and shaped. And you talk a lot in the book about mindset. And so I think it's so neat that you and your husband have chosen to do this as adults, bringing in your ingrained mindsets that you've carried with you. But as kids, they are, I have a quote here that I just love. You say, it is impossible to curate joy 24 seven, but it is possible to believe that joy can happen at any time. 
And as you talk about your kids, just like being out and about and be like, but joy is our job. Like that, that is being ingrained in them as a truth for their life, which is so cool. And it also sets them and you as a family apart from most people in the world. So I have a question. Do you ever come across people now who maybe knew you before this whole joy venture or just new people. And they're kind of looking at you like, what's up with you guys? Like, what are you drinking? You know, like, does that happen? I think it was, I think the like smaller moments happened quite a bit before the book, like right around the time that we started to, to talk about like our joy calendar and we would add something to it. And then invite, let's say our friends to be part of it. And I remember them thinking like, huh, okay, like we'll do that. And then it kind of turned into them starting to message us back and say, hey, look what we added to our joy calendar. So I think the first few times that we were brave and started to let people know outside of just our home that we were doing it, people were kind of curious, but also a little like, they almost wondered like, is that okay? And we're like, I don't know. We just decided, like we just decided this is how We want to, in essence, design our time and our lives. So I think at first they were curious, but also like, is is that okay? And now people, I think they either get it or they sit and they wait and they think, "Mm, not yet. You know, maybe they don't want to do it quite yet. And I'm always like, joy is your job. And when the time is right, just know that you have permission to do it. So if you're like, I have to get through tax season because I'm an accountant, and you can't have it till then, I always say, well, maybe you could have some now, but if you can't, and your mind is telling you, you can't, you know, that it's there anytime you want it. It's just a choice. Right. And you do such a good job of laying out those barriers in the book Mm -hmm. and then going, okay, if this is your barrier, try this. You have a lot of tips. So what's your, you probably have multiple favorites, but what's your favorite (laughs) like tip to overcome a barrier to joy? I think my favorite tip is the crappy to happy. And what that really means is there are so many unglamorous things that we will do in our lives, whether it's housework or maybe it's at work and it's like the thing that nobody on the team wants to do, right? Clean the bathrooms, sort the Excel spreadsheet, carry drywall if you're in more of like a a labor type industry. It's like, those are the things that have to happen. And so I kind of say like, yes, okay. And yet, like, how do you take them and make them just a little less crappy? So crappy to happy, meaning like infuse some joy either right before, during, or right after. And our the example that I often give is <laughs> my husband really likes matched socks. You know, socks come out of the dryer and you put one sock instead of the other sock. But do Growing they? Because I feel like they don't sometimes. Like see, my dryer eats socks. <laughs> Yeah, they like disappear. We don't know where they went, but let's say they come out of the dryer. (laughs) You know, he was really, when we first got married, he was really insistent that this was an activity that we needed to do. And I was like, why? You know, growing up, it's not a thing. We just threw them in the drawer. Pretty much all of them were the same color. So there was no need to, to match them. And he's like, no, this is important. This like makes our lives easier later. And I kind of was like, so you're going to tell me that we're going to do this every time, <laughs> you know, and he would kind of like nod, like, yes, like this is important. So I finally gave in and I turned to my kiddos and I said, guys, crappy to happy. 
All right. So we got to find a way to make matching socks more fun. And so we decided to call it a sock party and we match socks and we listen to music or we order pizza. The kids love to, when they were just a little bit smaller, they love to like throw them over the banister and make them snow. And I'm like, okay, we're going to pick them up anyway. Great. <laughs> and it was just a way of saying, it's your job to make something that isn't great, but has to be done just a little more fun. So that's probably my favorite tip. And I think a lot of people can smile and resonate because literally they're like, I'm doing that right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it seems like this is a muscle that you Mm -hmm. can strengthen over time. Like for someone like you, it seems like it's a superpower. Like you're like, I can go crappy to happy with anything. Is that true? Or do you struggle (laughs) still? I think there's times where I struggle, but it's more of a struggle with a like, come on, let's figure it out versus like, I can't figure it out. I think that when you're just starting, you're more in the line of like, can we, can we really? And I'm more like, okay, I know we can, but what does that look like? And oftentimes, like I said, with teams or even with families, you know, I talk and it's like, okay, so what are some things that you like to do? Put those right after or right before. And yeah, I love that. I mentioned in the book, like it is like a muscle because how do you get stronger without just putting in a little bit of like putting in the reps, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I know that I, I kind of asked this already, but we didn't get super deep on like how this journey has changed you as a person. So I want to dig in just a little bit more on a personal level, because you've been able to do some incredible things. Like you had a mission to meet people. You started meeting people. Then you're like, I want to create events that connect people and you've done it. And I've attended and they're amazing and they're fulfilling mm-hmm. and they're full of joy. Now you're writing books. Cause I'm going to, I know you're going to write more cause this is so <laughs> good. You're going to write more. So I'm saying books plural for a reason. Um, but what has surprised you the most or just really changed you as a person the most on this whole journey of like bringing joy to the masses? You know, it's funny, there's, and I don't remember if I put it in the book or not, but there's this other kind of quote or motto that I live by. And I think it's almost in tandem with joy and, um, and what you just said, and it's truly like living in the lab. So I almost envision myself like a little scientist with like a beaker and goggles and thinking, okay, so I'm going to try this and this might blow up. But it's also the permission I need to just try it. And I think sometimes people don't do something until they can predict the outcome. Well, I don't want to go to dinner on Friday night because I don't know if it's going to be good. Or I don't know if my book's going to be any good. So I'm not going to write it until I know that it's good. And it's almost like time passes. And then it's like, well, now that's a sign that I shouldn't do it. And I I feel like so many people are like, where do you get like your confidence. And I'm like, actually, it's just a permission thing to say, try it. And if it didn't work, it was just a little bit of an experiment anyway. And it's like behind the scenes, I hear like, and it might actually be a hell of a lot of fun. So I think that's really where what I've learned along the journey is that sure, there might be people that say like, ooh, I didn't like that or it didn't go well. And I just kind of turned to them and I'm like, well, I got to do some hard things and I got to try some things because otherwise I'll be stationary. And joy is kind of like that. If you just let time pass, 
and you don't get any result and you wonder like, where's the joy? So it's just a little bit of intention and again, like a mind shift, but that's my favorite other quote. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I do, I've heard you talk about living in the lab and I love that. And again, it goes back to this idea of curiosity Mm -hmm. as like the antidote to analysis paralysis or fear or procrastination, like all these things you're like, well, let's just get curious. And along the way, like you <laughs> tend to have a lot of fun <laughs> while you're yeah. while you're getting curious and experimenting. Um, maybe you're better at having fun than other people, but if they read your book, <laughs> then they'll have more fun too. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, that's awesome. Um, Lisa, this book is just so full of surprises. I know that you partially wrote it from the perspective of somebody who might be in a, like a traditional corporate setting. And they're mm-hmm. like, how do I make this fun? Like, how do I get joy <laughs> out of the grind of the nine to five and longer for some people? Um, but I just want to say, you know, I have gleaned so much wisdom through you from the perspective of having a family and yeah. leading in my home, being a mom, being a wife, uh, being a sister and a friend. And so um, if you're listening to this and you're like, you know, I have a lot of joy. Well, do you? I mean, you really still should really read the book because there's so many good tips. But if you're stuck in kind of any arena, I think this book is such a good tool to get unstuck because you just go, you kind of blow through any excuse anyone could possibly have of like, I don't have time for joy right now. It's impossible in this specific situation or this specific job, J-O-B that I work at. And I don't think you can read this book and like, get away with that. I just don't. <laughs> I um, hope. And I, I think about like all the nooks and crannies of your life. And, I, and it's like, okay, if you say you're really tired and you can't have joy, then I say, okay, let's look at your waking hours. Like, how do we just focus on the hours that you already have versus creating additional time for joy? I think that's the part that we think, oh, well, we should look at our calendar and add an extra bit of joy on this day and make it feel really special. And instead, I want people to say, okay, so if I'm busy with kids, my husband works 12-hour shifts, which I'll raise my hand for that. I have a really odd schedule because I speak and I travel. So when we look at date nights, they're basically non-existent. Where is like a nook or a cranny that we can put like a date? And so for us, sometimes it's literally 3 to 4 p.m. on the days that like my husband isn't working and that becomes our date. And so it's almost just, again, like changing positions and being like, okay, what do we got over here? Do we have anything over there? And yeah, I hope that for each barrier that people put in front of themselves, they also say, and yet I could Mm. have some joy while I still have that busy kids, no money, stress, no time in their lives. You can still have permission I give it to you to create a little joy within there somewhere. Absolutely. Which it, it obliterates this pattern of excuse making and instead Mm -hmm. shifts the focus to like pretty much radical responsibility for, you know, joy in your life being your job, (laughs) your responsibility, not negating your circumstances, but taking your circumstances and then putting your goggles back on and saying, how could these same circumstances work in my favor? and produce some joy. Because I think what trips a lot of us up, and I've definitely been in this camp, but I hear this from women, especially all the time is like, well, in this season, I'm just going to be stuck. 
or like, you know, they, we just keep reiterating these excuses of like, I can't because I can't because they, because he or she, and we kind of default to like a mindset of like, when this changes, that will change. And you've spoken to this, but I love that you're just like a permission giver and a trailblazer for even now when my husband works 12 hour shifts and I'm traveling and we don't have traditional date nights. I have the radical responsibility to say joy is my job and here's how I apply it. That is amazing. Lisa, you're just so cool. You're so cool that I want to hang out more. Um, We're going to do that. And also I'm really excited because you're going to be participating in an Arise event coming up. Yes. So um, you guys, we have this Arise event coming up on December 15th and it's at Des Moines Ballroom in Des Moines. And it's first thing in the morning because that's the best way to start our day is with joy and there will be dancing. But if you haven't gotten a copy of Lisa's book yet, I mean, you should, I don't know how after listening to this conversation, you're going to be able to wait till the 15th, but if you can wait, you'll get a free copy at the event and she'll be here to sign it for you. But if you already have a copy, then you can get one for a friend because that would be a great little stocking stuffer this year for Christmas. Lisa, is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with? This has just been a joy-filled conversation. Uh, I, okay. Two things. Number one, I, at the beginning of every year, I just put a list of like where I want to have more joy in my life. And one of them this year was dancing. And so thank you for adding that to my list on December. In December, I'm literally like thinking to myself, check, like added that one. And yeah, I think that my biggest advice for anybody who maybe is either avoiding joy or doesn't seem to think that it can be possible is I would say like you happen to the world not the other way around. And so if there's any way that whether it's a circumstance or just something that's going on in your world that you can happen to it, right? Like add a little joy to it. You will see the best return on investment that you have ever made. Just like you'd put money in your bank account or, you know, reach a milestone at your job or with your kiddos. I kid you not, it's the best return on investment and you'll be shocked at what it does for just your energy and yeah, what it brings to your work and your family. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Sold. You sold me. <laughs> um, there will be links in the show notes to find Lisa at lisaeven.com. And again, if you want to hang out with these two fun ladies, December 15th, there's a link to that event as well. We will arise and we will count it all joy. Lisa, even thank you so much for talking to me today. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the When We Arise podcast. Please take just a few moments to leave a review if you haven't done so yet. Your review helps other women like you find this show. And now let's get to your dance break. Click the link in the show notes to find the When We Arise playlist on Spotify with new music added every week.